Hey, listeners, to help us keep delivering in-depth wine business content, we've carefully selected partners for our show that we think will resonate with you. This episode's partner is Repor, the best way to save wine without planning ahead. So we have Julie Johnson, owner and winemaker at Trace Sabora's Winery in Napa Valley. How do you use Repor at Trace Sabora's Winery? At Trace Sabora's, in the last year, we've been doing a lot of virtual tastings. We've been sending out reports to all of our customers who purchase a pack of three wines or a pack of two of our estate wines, maybe our Zinfandel and our Cabernet, for example. These are lovely wines, but we do the tastings with people. Having a report for them to use as a bottle stop and oxygen scavenger at that time really gives them the ability to taste with us, and then they extend the enjoyment of the wine onwards to the next night or a week from then. It's just been a great tool for us to send to our customers. Learn more at report.com, R-E-P-O-U-R.com, or find the link in our show notes. And for a 30-minute overview of all things report, Listen to episode 24, where CEO Tom Lutz gives us all the details. Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your hosts, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. And today we're going to be talking about the Batonage Forum, which is an annual forum opening up the conversation about women and wine. And we have two guests, Katie Canfield and Rebecca Johnson of O'Donnell Lane, a wine-focused marketing and PR agency and current organizers of the Batonage Forum. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm super excited. I was wondering if you could cover some basics about the Batonage Forum, the history, mission, kind of purpose. Can you walk us through how it got started, when it got started? Sure, happy to. So Batonage Forum uh, was founded in 2018 by Stevie Stachionis and Sarah Bray, who are still very much involved, though we are kind of taking the lead on the organization of the forum itself. And it started, you know, as a grassroots effort with the intention of stirring up the conversation about women in wine, as you said. And it started as a one-day forum we held in Napa, California. And it's really built and grown into a robust, active community of individuals for wine professionals in all sectors of the industry, winemakers, vineyard workers, writers, marketers, salespeople, sommeliers, collectors, and drinkers, And we've really tried to focus and bring this event to particularly to champion those who have traditionally been overlooked or spoken over. So, you know, it's really changed over the last three years that it's been an effect. But overall, it's always maintained its existence as a platform for education and engagement. We challenge each other year in and year out to engage in discussions and interactions that relate in the creation and implementation of pragmatic solutions. And an interesting aspect to the design and creation of the Batonage Forum was this pass the baton theory. So the idea that Stevie and Sarah originated the forum itself and took it for the first two years and made it their own. And then they literally passed the baton uh, to Katie and myself and gave it to us to continue the ethos, continue the conversation, to continue the deep dive, but also to allow us to maybe change it a little bit, put our own personal stamp on it, and bring our own interests and uh, real passion into creating the next two years forum. So 2020 and 2021. And then 
time will be passed again. That's an interesting thing. So it's kind of in like the charter of the forum that it's going to be passed from like a relay race passed on for every two years. So you get to have some impact. That's really interesting and also plays really well with the name Batonage, not only the term for lease during, but you also have the relay race baton passing. It's a great branding there. It was a lot of fun at the end of the 2019 forum when they made the announcement that the baton was going to be passed. And then when we kind of got the business, so to speak, we actually took a picture of a little passing of the baton. So it was quite fun. Did you have a real lease during baton with like uh, a chain (laughs) attached to the end? (laughs) Next year. Next year. (laughs) Next time. (laughs) So I'm curious on how the macro or global movements or awakenings around gender equality have really either helped or benefited the movement on the forum or the traction around the Batanash Forum? Yeah, so really at the core of the forum is this safe space. So this environment that allows women and men, of course, but women to really those who've been overlooked or unheard, their voices unheard, and to really allow this safe space to have these difficult conversations to deep dive and explore and hear from those who maybe have experienced things that they wish to share with those who are just starting in the industry all the way through, you know, CEOs and all of that. And the Me Too movement or other movements that have brought attention to this platform have been really helpful. They continue the conversation. They bring the attention. They also allow women who are in areas that maybe don't have some of these movements to really identify and feel supported by the Batonage Forum um, to give them visibility, to give their voices to be heard and allow it to really grow. And so that's been very supportive. And to help us set the context of that, where does the wine industry fall relative to other industries around gender inclusion? Are we better or worse than other industries? I would never want to say that one industry, area industry, is sort of suffers or has a larger inequality. I would say across the board, any industry, we're seeing this women-owned businesses are, are certainly less than male-owned businesses. We're seeing this sort of old boys club in various industries, the wine industry for sure. And whether it's more or less, I don't know if I would sort of say one way or the other, but I would say that there's various areas in many industries that they're struggling to equalize. So whether it's pay disparity, work-life balance, I mean, we're really seeing, given the pandemic, that women have really suffered a, a great deal. They have to stay home and be with their children that are no longer in school. And so for all areas of the wine industry, absolutely. There's only about 30%, 30 to 40% of businesses are women-owned, and about 14% of California wineries have female-led winemakers, so we definitely do see a disparity there. So the wine industry is quite large. It's an area of focus for Batonage in terms of like the production side, hospitality, distribution. I'm just curious on, are there some areas where we're better or worse? Yeah, you know, I don't know the particulars about the breakdown. I do know... With Batonage, we've focused on all sectors of the industry. So that is sort of a unique selling point for us is that it is literally everything from, you know, the viticulturist to the salesperson. You would say definitely you've seen an increase in how many women winemakers are at the lead or at the helm of these wineries. That has increased, but not by much. And then also, I would say definitely in the sommelier world, I think there's a great disparity there, maybe more so than in other sectors, but I don't know the exact details. In terms of geographical focus, is there a focus on North America or is it a global play for Batonage Forum? It started out pretty local. 
The first two forums were held in Napa and there was a large focus on the local community and really building it up from the ground up. And now we're seeing, I think we'll talk about this a little later, but other organizations pop up as well. There is Assemblage in Willamette Valley. So we've been in conversation about how we can support each other's efforts. And then now when we took the forum online, and now that everybody is so comfortable in the online forum, webinars and Zoom meetings every other day, we can really, we've been able to expand our audience. So now I'm very happy to say that it is a kind of a North American, even global organization. We do have touch points in different countries too. So it's always growing and that's really exciting. Building on that thread a little bit, how does Batonage or Batonage Forum distinguish itself from Women of the Vine and other organizations that are also supporting gender inclusion in, in wine? Yeah, so as they said, we try to be so supportive of all the other organizations so that we're all kind of moving towards the same goal versus talking over each other or duplicating efforts. And the beauty of these organizations is that we're all in this to be supportive of each other rather than competitive. So some of these organizations are membership-based, which is Batonage is not. We're similar to some of other symposiums and forums. I mentioned Assemblage, and then there's Wonder Women of Wine based in Texas. So these forums are all kind of looking to hear the voices of those that are underrepresented, offering education, resources, support, information. So yeah, I think there is a lot of crossover. But again, our audiences are different and we're always sort of collaborating and we're in touch with these other people so that we can make sure all aspects are being addressed rather than everybody trying to offer the same thing to everyone. Can you talk a little bit about the core activities for the forum and what the deliverables are or things that are going to be executed on from a year to year basis? Yeah, so the core activities are obviously the forum itself. So we have created what was the one-day forum into being that it's virtual, a multiple-day, multi-session, including some breakout session forum. So that is definitely at the core, sort of how the Batonage Forum began. New this year in 2021, we launched the mentorship program. So as Katie mentioned, looking at some of these other programs and what they're offering, whether it's job boards or things of that nature, we saw the the sort of missing aspect of this mentorship program. So that was new to us this year. We started with level one in January. We have multiple levels, level two and level three, which become a little bit more hands-on and sort of in the field mentoring. But this has been a really exciting activity for Batonage this year. So that's new. And then one of the other things that I would say is kind of at the core is, as Katie mentioned, is the support of other programs and platforms. So whether it on social media or letting people across the country or across the world, for that matter, know about other programs, what they're doing, Black Wine Professionals, Be the Change, I'm Speaking, Pen to Paper, which is a great writing exercise program. So we do sort of look for these other platforms that we can support. So that's another key piece. And then we do like to offer, when we can, financial support. So one of our key activities from the Batonage Forum last year was we were able to support and donate financially to Race Forward and Southern Smoke. So that gives us not only great pleasure, but again, that sort of pass it on. Got it. And I'm curious on how, in terms of the mentorship programs or the forum itself, how do you measure success like how do you, or impact of those activities? 
Well, as with uh, PR, it's always difficult to measure ROI. For us, I think it's really been in the direct feedback we get from attendees. We had a great feedback after last year's forum, and I know Sarah and Stevie had the same in the 18 and 19 forum. And thank you for tackling that topic. Thank you for having that speaker. That really resonated with me. All those emails that we receive, it makes us feel good and it makes us feel like we're actually being a force of positive change out there. So as we move forward, I think, especially with the mentorship program, maybe we'll continue to see really tangible results. We've got a great team on board with the mentorship program. So Stevie and Sarah are part of that. And then we also have a Priyanka French, who was really instrumental in kicking off the Batonage Mentorship Program, and then Tonya Pitts, and also Mary Marr. There are kind of industry area of focus heads, so program leads that are really helping organize all the mentors who are then helping or offering their time and energy to their mentees. So I think over the next couple of years, it'll be great to see uh, what sort of feedback we get from the mentees through this program. But in terms of if you were to just look at year over year or participation in the forum, I'm assuming you would see as a simple indicator of success, you're seeing growth year over year. Yes, definitely. The 2018 forum had about, I believe, 300 or so attendees and then almost 400 in 2019. And that was in person. And as I said, it was a mostly local, though people did come from different parts of the U.S. And then when we took the forum virtual last year, that we saw over 600 people register from over five countries. So that was an uptick, which was very well received. And I would also say we hear from people who have attended last year's forum who reach out to us directly, even we're just in the preparation stages for the 2021 forum, but how can I be involved? How can I help? Can I be a speaker? Can I support you? And when we see it, we've had financial sponsors who have come to us last year who really wanted to be a part of something like this. And so when you get and you hear that feedback, to me, that's definitely constructive. I mean, you really feel like people want to be a part of something like this. So with all that feedback from especially the 2020 forum, what do you view as the key accomplishments from 2020? Well, I would say the biggest one for us was just transitioning to a virtual event. We were full in planning mode to host it as an in-person event in Sonoma. So that was going to be one of our changes is moving the forum from Napa to Sonoma to a brand new venue at Sonoma Broadway Farms, actually, which is gorgeous. We had so many plans. And then obviously, everything changed once March came around. So we didn't know quite what to do. But we did some research, we got our people together. We depend on a lot of our community really for feedback and for help. We got some great advice and ended up being able to launch a pretty hefty program. It went over the course of four weeks with 10 sessions. We had over 35 speakers and we had over 20 women winemakers and chefs to participate in our virtual walk around tasting because that was always a part of the in-person event is that we would wrap up the event with a just a fun social walk around tasting featuring women winemakers. So we had to do that virtually as well through pre-recorded videos and it all worked out. But I think that was the big pivot, so to speak. And I would also say that there was a lot of, not pressure, but we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to continue this ethos that Stevie and Sarah entrusted us with. 
for 2020 and then having to do this transition from a live event, which we were so confident and excited about, to this virtual event. It feels like an accomplishment that the messages were still received, the conversations were still had, the connections were still made, we were able to still have some form of networking and all of that, and that we were trusted with that major piece. And we feel like we were able to accomplish that. So for last year, that was for sure successful. And we're hoping for the same for 2021. So I'm curious in terms of getting a little tactical in terms of how does this industry actually implement change? What do you think really needs to happen to promote gender diversity and inclusion in the wine industry? Right now, we're at that place where people are just starting to recognize and acknowledge that there is some of this discrepancy and that inclusion, we're not there and we've got a long way to go. And so the first step for sure is acknowledging and recognizing it. And then looking at how we can all do better. So whether it's in areas of HR and hiring practices, whether that's in a mentoring role, absolutely in education. So educating those in all levels of the industry. Um, And then really shaking up that conversation and knowing that feeling like people are listening. And so we still have obviously some ways to go, but acknowledging that there is this discrepancy is a start for sure. And then comes action. And so many organizations have developed over the past year, especially starting last year with the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen all kinds popping up left and right, and it's been a joy to see. I've actually really kind of applaud the efforts of Diversity in Wine Leadership Forum. So that was started by Mariam Ahmed and Elaine Chacon Brown sort of in with the idea that we don't duplicate efforts, right? So kind of bringing all these different organizations together so that we can have a conversation and talk about what each of our organizations does so that we can complement each other rather than, again, you know, try to be in competition with each other. So organizations like the Hughes Society, the Roots Fund, Wine Empowered, Wine Unify, there's many more, but everyone has a slightly different take on it and goal and mission. So it's really helpful to have those conversations so that we are all on the same page. So I'm curious if you have a couple examples of where people have implemented something and that's kind of what good looks like and you try to share that because a lot of the forums are about taking something that's making creating awareness, showing how maybe that company or person solved the problem and then sharing it with the rest of the industry. I'm curious if you have a couple of pragmatic examples that you could give our listeners. Absolutely. Yes, I think one piece of it is in education. So for there to be diversity and inclusion in the wine industry, in different jobs and in different organizations, I think first and foremost, it's really important to ensure that everyone has an equal opportunity to pursue education, whether that's wine education, so WSET or the MW program, or any of these types of organizations, it needs to start there. There needs to be, whether it's scholarships, uh, whether it's sort of an affirmative action approach, that's where it really needs to start so that we all have this similar pool of resources and opportunities so that then when everyone goes out to try to pursue their career in the wine industry, everyone has even footing when they kick off. And then secondly, one that's come up, obviously, is from a HR perspective, from a hiring and employer perspective, is to open those doors and make sure that you have a diverse workforce and seek out 
opportunities to make it more diverse. And that goes back to, I think Rebecca mentioned earlier, Julia Coney's Black Wine Professionals, a whole website dedicated to showing all across sectors of the wine industry, these individuals who are so talented and available to work. And I think the excuse, you know, that many employers had back in the day was that they didn't know that there were these people out there. So Julia's kind of taken that excuse out of the equation by offering a whole reference guide online. Something that Kimmy DeVos from the Roots Fund talked about, where she was saying that the whole HR concept in the wine industry almost needs to be rebuilt from the ground up and really bringing people from outside that have had the proper training and though just trying to necessarily solve it with the same people because you're not to try to solve something the same way with the same people, you're probably going to get the same result. You know, you really have to think differently and kind of blow it up. Definitely. And what you're seeing now are some organizations just deciding to go ahead and name a director of diversity or have a diversity program in place, which doesn't solve the problem. I mean, they're basically just ticking boxes. And as you say, it needs to be this sort of just rebuilding from the ground up in order for real change to happen in the future. Robert and I always talk about how, what are actionable ways we can make a difference. And as a company or an individual, how can they get involved with the Botnage Forum and make a difference for gender inclusivity? Well, first and foremost, I would say uh, since we have the 2021 forum coming up, you could go ahead and tune into that. The dates will be uh, end of June, will be three days. We'll have a couple of sessions each day. So stay tuned. We'll have more news there available on the Batonage Forum website. It's joining the conversation, you know, because I think it's in these sessions. Although we can't be in person, we are going to host the forum online again this year. Just between the chat section, the Q&A, we make it a very interactive platform. So that's a really great way to get involved. Then now with the mentorship program, we would encourage everyone and anyone to spread the word, you know, to individuals who could apply as mentees. We're currently in the level one our inaugural intake, which will wrap up in March. And then we're going to move forward with level two and level three coming down the pipeline. So more news there is all available on the website. And it's really just about spreading the word. And if anybody knows anyone who would benefit from this program, then we really hope that you would recommend the mentorship program. And then obviously all of this is time and money. And we as Batonage, we're also in the process of filing for our 501c3 so that we can have that nonprofit status. We've always been not for profit, but not officially because it's a whole lot of paperwork and it costs money. But we're getting there and we're in the process and supporting the mentorship program, the forum, helping us file the 501c3. We do have a support page on the website. So obviously it's it's not a donation now, it'd be more as a sponsorship for now. And then once we get our nonprofit status, then we'll be able to accept donations as well. The Napa Valley Vintners was very generous and acting as a sponsor for the mentorship program. So we're definitely looking for more sponsors in that realm. Yeah. And I would just like to add that for any individuals who are looking to sort of become involved or have ideas for the Batonage Forum, you know, this is, as Katie mentioned, a grassroots effort. So this is all about the community that this is in support of. So if there are ideas for topics and sessions that are, you know, hot items not to miss or feel 
like are not getting the attention it deserves. We welcome all of that information. We would welcome session ideas, speaker ideas, any kind of, as Katie mentioned, you know, fundraising ideas. We're working with Nomadica on some fun batonage forum supporting canned wine. So we're always looking for brands or companies that wish to support us, whether it's with ideas, fundraising efforts, obviously financially, but we have on the website as well, but we also have an email info at batonageforum.com. So we welcome any input, thoughts and ideas from the community. Along the lines of sponsorships or different types of partnerships, do you think there are ways where Botanage Forum or gender and inclusivity in wine could be partnered with other gender inclusivity elements that are beyond wine? Because wine is a relatively small sector of the entire world and, and economy. And I wonder if there are some synergies or something there that can bring benefit to the wine world and to inclusivity in the wine world by learning from those who are doing it on a broader basis. And even things like there's a big, I think, really effective movements set by like the U.S. National Women's Soccer Team and people like that. Yeah. So, I mean, just as I would say for a mentorship program, we are looking for partnerships from any and all that sort of share that same ethos and that same looking for inclusion in any industry. So if there is somebody, whether it's high profile or doing it the right way or getting their message out across, we would be open to any form of partnership. I think it would do us a disservice to rule anything out. And I think there are so many people that have their programs and their platforms that are doing it well and doing the right thing that we would be totally open to. And if it brings more attention to the conversation, of course, that would be a win-win. Peter, do you have a connection with the U.S. National Women's Soccer Team? Because that would be super to partner with. <laughs> I, I wish. My roommates in college were on the soccer team, but <laughs> and I knew a lot of the women's soccer players at the time, but none of them were on the national team. Now. That was an interesting pitch there. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, always pitching. Yeah. If I were a couple of years younger, I would have been peers with Alex Morgan, I guess. But <laughs> So obviously there are a lot of ethnicities and orientations that are female. Do you feel the need to distinguish between other groups promoting inclusivity? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, and I we recognize that BIPOC, LGBTQ communities may not have their voices heard or represented as often as others. And that's, as we stated back in the beginning, is one of, it's part of the mission of Batonage. So I think it's important to demand inclusivity for all females, but then we also have to work harder and do better by all of these communities as well that have long been spoken over. And I think particularly with, you know, the mentorship program, that's our focus. We really want to make sure that we're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how we can really move the needle there through action. And that's the ethos of the mentorship program. And so hopefully we will see real change come through that in the next couple of years. So focusing on 2021, what are the big things that are going to happen with Batonage in 2021? Obviously, the mentorship forum is launching, but are there other big things happening? As Katie mentioned, we are obtaining our 501c3 or applying to obtain the 501c3, which we think is really important for the forum. And we're also looking at some of the sessions that we're developing for 2021. And while we feel like we love the idea of hitting as many topics that we feel like are worthy, we also are looking for 2021 to take some of these 
uncomfortable conversations and really get a deep dive. So where we may have just touched the surface on some of these topics in 2020, we're really looking to take it that extra step in 2021. We talk about stir it up, right? But we really want it to dive deeper. And hopefully the sessions that we will create and explore in 2021 will be able to take that deep dive even further. So as you get to your nonprofit status, do you have a funding goal that you'd like to get to? (laughs) The sky's the limit. We have a goal in mind um, just in order to match the Napa Valley Vintners donation. We would like to get to at least a 10,000 per year for the next three years. And then, you know, with as levels two and three of the mentorship program roll out, level three is really involved. It's really about almost finding, it's about finding placements for individuals with the mentors. So actual internships that cost money. We would really like to have an all-inclusive stipend for these mentees to be able to go and do these internships and maybe in a different part of the world than they live in currently. So those are all going to have a lot of fees associated. So that's why our fundraising efforts are commencing now. And we'll really be focused on that through until the start of the level three program. So with all the inclusivity programs, hopefully in our ideal world, these things are no longer necessary at some point, right? Because the world is inclusive and there aren't any systemic or structural problems that we have to deal with. In your minds, what do we have to see to make that happen? How do we know when we've gotten there? It's a deep question, Peter. That's a great question. That is a deep question. That is one I wish I knew the answer to. And I feel like we would see it. We would be able to feel it. I can sense the momentum growing. And really, you know, last year, again, starting with the Black Lives Matter movement, you felt the rift. And what I've really appreciated, though, is that I haven't felt it scale back. I initially, you know, with my skepticism, thought that this would be, you know, a two, three month fad, maybe a fizzling fad, (laughs) but it isn't. It's moving forward and there are more and more people getting behind it and feeling passionate. And it's just generating this buzz that isn't going away. So I hope it's in the near future and I hope I, I can see it when it does happen for what it is. Uh, I'm curious, do you think it will require a generational change in order to really take effect? I get the tough ones. (laughs) Yes, I think in looking at over the course of time, we certainly look at CEOs that have been the older white male, sorry, that that's how it's been. And so I think we know we will see it when we see the equality in that level. I think we'd love to see it across the board in every level of the industry, right? So whether it's from hospitality and retail all the way up to the CEOs and winemakers and women-owned wineries, And across the board in any industry, for that matter, right? We'd love to see all the women-owned businesses picking up speed and stamina and really becoming equal. But I actually would even appreciate, you know, I feel like there are times now where we used to see webinars in even early 2020, where you would see a panel of four white men on a panel talking about wine. And I'm pleased to say that there is a more conscious effort to see that there is a panel that's equal. And whether it's women, men, 
the BIPOC community, LGBTQ, I mean, across the board, I think when we start to see that these panels are being more fleshed out and more equal, that's moving in the right direction. And I think I do have an answer to what it would look like when equality is actually reached. And I think that would mean that there would no longer be a place for these diversity committees, right? There would be no longer a place in an organization to have a director of diversity, or it just wouldn't be part of the equation anymore. And it would just be the natural way that people think. And yes, whether that's generational shift, I mean, I'm sure that's going to be part of it. But yeah, I think it is moving in that direction. So with every set of guests that we have on the episode, we always ask them for a lasting trend in the fizzling fad. So a lasting trend, something that is, you know, slowly building and going to take off with long-term legs and a fizzling fad, something that's happening now or has been happening in the past, but is on the decline. I'm curious, either for both of you together or individually, if you have thoughts on a lasting trend and fizzling fad in the wine industry around inclusivity movements. Well, I'm going to start with a fizzling fad. I think it is the wineries that wineries that are not sustainably minded, whether that's social, economic, or environmental. Producers, wine businesses that aren't conscious of, of the planet, of society, and trying to make the world a better place, I don't think there's really a place for them anymore. I think consumers are becoming wiser. They want to know more. They're doing their research, and they're looking for resources to give them the full stories behind the producers of the wines that they buy or behind the retailers of where they buy their wines. So, you know, I just don't think there's a place for those anymore. And I think eventually it'll be the norm that you must tick some boxes when it comes to sustainability, no matter how you look at it. And for the lasting trend? Well, I'm going to stick with the theme of today's conversation. And I would say women supporting women. So I would like to see that as a lasting trend. I think it will be. I think between all the programs and platforms that we've talked about today and just the conversations that we see, whether it's in the Batonage Forum or on a Zoom call. I think that we've heard about women who compete with other women and we can be our own worst enemies to each other. But I think the lasting trend is women supporting women, hands down. Now that you say it, it totally makes sense. And I think that's a great takeaway. And we'll have a link in the show notes. But for a lot of people, including myself, who forget how to spell botanage, it's B-O-T-A-N-N-A-G-E forum.com. No. Wrong, Wrong. Peter. No. <laughs> I just read it off your website. <laughs> so let the oh, woman take a? the mic here. It's www.batonnagefourum.com. Thank you, Kate. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I, I read it wrong straight off the website. <laughs> it's the A with the funny hat. That's a keeper. Our blooper reel. There we go. Well, yeah. yes. well I want to thank you uh, for talking to us about the forum. Um, and obviously with it coming up in June, I hope a bunch of our listeners partake and reach out if they have ideas for speaking. I'd, uh, I'm sure you know, creating more awareness is great for everybody. Thanks so much for having us. It was yeah. really fun to have this conversation. Yeah, we appreciate your support. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. cheers.